This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories and watch it. My God. <laughs> You're so vicious, so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hoe. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? It is a hot summer day on this Monday afternoon, Colsif. Um, I'm uh, We're on the heels of a very epic summer slam, if I do say so myself. How was your weekend, sir? Uh, it was okay. Uh, I got a little bit of the, uh, well, we'll just, for, to simplify it, I have a little bit of the gout flare-up on my foot. So my foot is roughly twice its normal size. It is purple, red, and wonderful. And it feels like having a jammed thumb hitting your funny bone and your foot being asleep all at the same time. So it's wonderful. I stayed off my feet all weekend. I watched the SummerSlam live. It was fantastic, and then uh, I went to work today. That's amazing. You know, you've given way too many mafia kicks in your day, and it's probably adding up. <laughs> so no, uh, no follow up with that with that gout story. No, not really. I mean, this is one of the, like every two years or so I have this. It's compounded by the fact that I have bunions, so it makes it all the worse. So like at some point, I'm getting my foot cut open and fixing some bones and shit, but. Uh, not till I can afford to take six weeks off of work or so. Yeah, that stupid uh, aging slash time thing is a real motherfucker. And, uh, you know, yeah. gout, gout gets the best of us all, you know. And, uh, you know, the game is definitely afoot when it comes to uh, uh, adulthood and life. And uh, But uh, yeah. SummerSlam was fantastic. You did mention that in your, in your foot injury story. And uh, I'm pretty sure it took your mind off of things considering how great the, the, the event was. I was... Uh, what they delivered on Saturday night was nothing short of amazing. What say you? Uh, yeah, it was for me. It was a fantastic start to finish. Um, it it kind of kept getting better almost throughout the night. Like right from the start, they opened up with Logan Paul, and I was like, "Huh, that's brave." Because not that he hasn't delivered every time so far, but he is green and he's wrestling Ricochet. And uh, I just felt like there was a strong chance this match could fly off the rails eh. and uh, be a total train wreck. That happened way later on the show. But uh, <laughs> for this match, <laughs> they delivered. It was great. Uh, I love that uh, they got Logan Paul a win as a shit heel too. Not just like he won. He cheated like a bitch and uh, used the, the brass knucks uh, to get the knockout and acted like it's just all his punch and everything. Really cool. And then Cody and fucking Brock delivered like fucking nobody's business, like way better than, you know, anyone would expect. Brock had his working boots on. And then um, from everything I'm reading, Brock went off script and he decided on his own that he was making Cody that night and did the handshake and everything after the match, which, like, to me, you cannot put someone over bigger than Brock losing clean in the middle to their finish and then shaking their fucking hand after the feud. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not only but that. It's amazing. Not only that, and, like, I felt like I predicted this about midway through during the match in our text message, but uh, they had almost a splitting image match of the squash that they had between Cena and Brock Lesnar. The only difference is Cody came back and won decisively. And uh, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, even if, if the thing was off script or not, I think it was the way to go. Uh, oh, it, yeah. You know, you, you don't get much of an endorsement than the the WWE's legitimizer uh, himself uh, raising your hand in defeat. Um, yeah, like I said, that the rocket ship is is firmly strapped to Cody and... Uh, more and more, I think the decision of him losing a WrestleMania, uh, 39 this year was a good one. And I don't think the story with him and Brock means much with the title on him because he, he went in with the sympathy of all sympathy already. 
and then we gave him a lot more, and then he overcame and won, and, and he's not the baby face shoved down our throat because he hasn't finished the story yet. I think this was perfect. It was a movie. It was it was as close to a movie feud as the bloodline is. Uh, and it was pulled off very well, and this was a good match for Brock to hang his hat on to be to go away for a while. Yeah, it was, I, I still will never, like, I, I still think it was a terrible decision at WrestleMania. I think this absolutely means something if 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 he has the belt. I just probably would have had Brock uh, get disqualified instead of Cody winning or whatever. You know, something like that, because uh, I wouldn't want to take the belt off of Cody at all, but... If they went ahead and had the big-ass match, Cody has the belt, and then Brock puts his rubber stamp with that same finish and the handshake and everything, I don't think it feels like shoving the baby face down our, down our throats. I think it just, that's like, all right, this guy's legit. He's for reals, and, uh, you know, this is the first guy whose hand I'm going to shake, you know, in public. So yeah. I, I, I yeah. just don't trust the majority of the fickle wrestling universe to get that like we would. Speaking of the fickle wrestling audience that didn't get things that we did, let's talk about Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler because, you know, oh, I I was going to take a break from this, but then they started going and getting after it, and I thought this was really good for what it was, but the crowd did not get into no. this at all. And it's a shame because, you know, like the Brock Lesnar thing, they really went for a great moment here on making Shayna Baszler as this, she is the baddest woman on the planet. She choked out uh, Ronda Rousey, who is right. like the biggest box office attraction in the MMA world or combat sports, uh, you know, the first right. female to break that type of ground. The, the stage was set for that night. The problem was nobody gave a shit from January to now. They kind of they kind right. of, they kind of bundled this feud up in the last month, and I think that was the downfall. Well, I I think it, it there's two ways of looking at it. One, everyone, it, you know, basically they said Ronda said no, my contract's up then, I'm wrapping up then, and so it's either one somebody wasn't paying attention to when her contract ended, or two they knew when her contract ended, but they just assumed that if they had her in a storyline with Shayna, she might hang around for a while or three. Uh, she agreed to the timeline and then just said, Hey, fuck it. I'm done after this. Cause that's when my contract's up, whatever. So the, the booking either way, the booking with Rhonda has been absolutely abysmal since the, since WrestleMania really, I mean, like the first WrestleMania was great. Even up to, I would say, the, the triple threat match at Mania, it was pretty good. But her second run has been just the drizzling shits from day one. They had her coming out at Rumble with the, the new smiley, happy Ronda Rousey. And just like every, they stripped away everything that was great about Ronda Rousey being the baddest woman on the planet, being a total badass, you know, scaring the shit out of everyone, bullying people. They took all that away, and she's not a sympathetic figure. She's just not. She's a natural heel, and she should be a heel in wrestling. And then maybe years down the road, if she ever figured out the business, she could be a babyface. But, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. Know. This this past this past seven months did not do her run any favors, and I, I hope that they don't let the, the reaction um, squash Shayna's momentum because unlike right. Ronda Rousey, she does get this business and and has yeah. an MMA background and has the potential to do great things like being a full time Brock Lesnar to the women's division. And it's just it's so crazy to me that a match like this doesn't get a crowd reaction. Like for for sixty years, the wrestling business was trying to fool people and doing something fake, but making them think it was real. These two girls go out there and legit shoot spar for like the first two, three minutes of this match hard, punching each other in the face, landing, taking shots, crazy takedowns, crazy grappling. Like this first three minutes of this, if it was an MMA fight, the crowd would have been losing their fucking minds. And even as a wrestling match, the crowd should have been fucking like, holy shit, this is great. But just nothing. And then we got a shoot head kick. We got a shoot knee to the face. Both girls' faces are bruised up, and and they're both of them are have got blood. Like this was an insane match. It was fucking phenomenal. It was 
is it, it was as shoot a work as can be like if that makes sense like this was as much of a shoot as a worked match can be and still look real and feel real and ob- is not see-through at all but the fans just were not there for it and it was sad if only they brought back the lion's den for this maybe it would have added right. some visualness to it you know a call back to 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 owen hart versus ken shamrock i think that would have been that would have been good but yeah no, the crowd wasn't ready for it. You know, a, a lot of wrestling fans that I know who try to watch MMA go, you know, they're just lying there. This is boring. Like, no, they're just lying there because real fights aren't fancy action movies like what we've been watching. Right. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. The cra- the live crowd did not. But you mentioned about uh, Ronda's uh, uh, push from day one. Speaking of day one, another chapter in the saga that is this bloodline storyline, Cole. And yeah. just when you think... I'm not going to say jump the shark, but when you think this this thing's about to, <laughs> no, because jump the shark is a neg- negative connotation. When I, right, just when you think this storyline is going to end, yeah, there's just yeah, just you think they've done everything they can do, and guess what? <laughs> there's another shocking layer. I did not expect Jimmy to come back and fuck over Jay. Uh, you know, it, it's no. funny because I've seen a lot of interviews where like their dream scenario ever is before they hang it up to feud with each other, just because it was so out of reach. Right. Uh, now it's around the corner. They have a lot of momentum to just hang on this until WrestleMania. You know, Jay cannot want to fight his brother all the way up until April and week, and they have proven that they can tell a story that long and do it well. So, yeah. fuck, I'm. I, I, I can't believe I, how in I am on the Usos I, as yeah, a as a singular insane. entity. Right. I mean, the Usos are kind of like the same thing. If you looked at Dominic Mysterio a year ago. We wanted him to leave. I mean, even a year ago at WrestleMania, like the Usos were like, all right, they're there. But then once they went through the whole Sami Zayn stuff and everything, like the Usos for me, like I think Jay could be a top guy. Like I bought him seriously as as a contender because of the storyline. Like the 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 thing in all this that's a little sad is that they've just completely dropped the ball with Sami Zayn from where he was in February to now, and it's like, what the fuck are we doing? But like. I think what people are, are a lot of times what people don't think about is like the bloodline has to be in the war games. Like it has to happen. So there, we couldn't end it today. Like, I think if we can make it to survivor series and then that's maybe where we get the first like break in the action. Like we, I know we've been teeter tottering around it. We had the, the Usos versus, uh, of uh, solo and and roman and now jimmy's back on the side with the tribal chief like so there's three i think we can bring back sammy to the mix we can throw cody in there especially since we have cody it's a freaking war games match it's his daddy's fucking invention he's got to be in it i i just i think this is fantastic i for me i think the the ending destination for the bloodline storyline needs to be at Royal Rumble or be sometime before Mania because I want Mania to be Roman has nobody behind him. He's all on his own. He finally is going to get his comeuppance and Cody beats him. If that's what we're doing, <laughs> if that's what we're working to, I want it needs to be a one-on-one match and Cody finally ends Roman. No interference, no bullshit, no nothing. Everything needs to blow up before mania so roman is on his own and then if it's all said and done if the whole family wants to come out and everyone wants to hug and love and and get a big pop at, at the end of mania cool or or then on monday on raw after mania cool i'm good with that roman being a baby face going forward i'm good with that him disappearing after mania for a while good with that but i don't want a bunch of fuckery again at wrestlemania no, no, I don't. I don't think we're gonna get much fuckery at WrestleMania, especially with the legacy behind it. Uh, it's going to be WrestleMania 40, and if they don't, I know that they have something in their pockets for WrestleMania 40. It's going to be a monumental show. SummerSlam was a monumental show. I'm excited for what's happening with wrestling. Uh, it feels like wrestling's a little hot again, uh, in you know, even in the 2023. Uh, ratings are going up. If you followed that and you think it matters. Yeah, and, and before we we move on with SummerSlam, I think there's just a couple things I want to mention. We don't have to dig in deep, but like first of all, the women's triple threat match 
was something. It fucking happened. It was weird. Uh, it existed. Yeah. <laughs> it's it one of those things like it was going pretty good, and then one thing happened, and it threw everything off for the rest of the match, and it was a total fucking train wreck. And then they had a brilliant finish, and they set it up with Bianca getting injured during the match, but she won the belt, but she was too injured to even walk, hardly. And that's when Io Shirai cashes in her money in the bank. This might be my favorite cash-in of all time because of the way they got there. Even though the match was pretty miserable for a large chunk of it, the finish and this made up for it and made it a high spot on the card. But big congratulations to Io Shirai for winning her first uh, women's championship on the main roster. And... uh you know, she's pretty goddamn good, as she would say. Absolutely, and I'm and I'm hoping that like a champion of her stature will give us some more matches. Uh, uh, you know, a lot more variety. You know, maybe some returning uh, family members of co-hosts in my noggin. Uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, no you know, shit. they they have history. You know, you know, it's just ideas. You know, maybe or maybe ten years from now, it's going to be a take it up with creative episode. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel that. I I. The, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. But uh, yeah, and lastly, we cannot get away from SummerSlam without mentioning the, frankly, the match of the fucking night. Finn Balor and Seth, like, they just went out there and put out an absolute wrestling masterpiece. And uh, I've been one of the largest detractors of Seth Rollins as just a guy that I don't, like, he doesn't do it for me at this point. From, like, he's completely changed. My opinion, much like Roman the years before, where like I always felt like Seth Rollins was playing pro wrestler and not really there, not really in the moment. And I think it kind of started with for me at Elimination Chamber this year, where he was like going extra intense and like the, everything was crisp and real. And like from then till now, like he's one, he's stolen the show every time he's been out there, just about. And, uh, yeah, he's been great. I, I I don't have any problems with him being the world champion, and I think this is a great way to start a championship run. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've been singing the praises of Seth Rollins for a long time. And, yeah, and I'm a firm believer that gimmicks are more important than what you do between those ropes. As long as you're doing everything between those ropes safely, that's one thing. But you got to find yourself and give me a reason to give a shit about you. Otherwise, you're just a carbon copy of the previous guy that's just yeah. doing the same shit you're doing. That's why I was like really big and behind Velveteen Dream at one point. He had right. the character. He just didn't have anything else. And <laughs> unfortunately, he didn't have much in the personal space of his yeah, brain either. Yeah. But, you know, hey, Cole, if, if we're going to go through every match at SummerSlam, we can't forget our boy uh, retaining the oh, Intercontinental no Championship from Drew McIntyre in what I felt <clears throat> was my personal match of the night. It was the best thing I've seen Drew do in quite some time. Yeah. And it just goes to show how complete of a wrestler Gunther is. Because, Cole, yes. what's Gunther's finisher? Whatever he fucking wants it to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. He, he, he does a, he'll choke you out. He'll splash you. He'll powerbomb you. He'll give you a lariat. What did my man do to Drew to finish the match? All of it. All of it. And that made Drew a little bit more, in my opinion, I, I think. He straight right. up he straight up moral combat comboed all of his finishers into one thing against Drew McIntyre. And I'm pretty sure he felt just fine going down to that. <laughs> but yeah, because Drew kicked out of the power bomb. He kicked out of the splash. He got out of the choke. He kicked out of a lariat. So when he when Walter fired up and hit the fucking splash, picked him up, power bombed his ass, picked him up, clotheslined the fuck out of him. Like that's a finish. Yes. Like I, I was just watching that match, sitting here going, like, why the fuck is this not current day wrestling? Why isn't this modern wrestling? Why is it fucking guys putting their hands in their pockets and fucking dudes doing flips? with no fucking selling and no storyline and eight guys in the ring and six of them disappear. So these two guys can do their shit. And then they just mad. The next two guys magically pop up out of nowhere. Like, Oh, these guys had a fight. Like this is also right there where you, they're not like shoot shooting like Rhonda and, and Shayna did, but they're out there and you can't tell whether these guys are fighting or they're just, you know, going out there performing. It's great. It has a good flow to it. And I love that that 
Gunther as a heel isn't like a cheating heel. He isn't a chicken shit heel. But you watch his matches and he always uses the rules to his advantage. You know, he's what he doesn't cheat. He he bends the rules like he fights within the rules, but he, he doesn't necessarily fight clean. And and he's just dominant. And that's why he's a heel. And it's so great. Yeah, and, he knows uh, a body slam works, yeah, but a body yeah. slam on the concrete outside the ring also works way better. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I have a 10 count, so fuck it. I'm not cheating. I didn't use a weapon, but... Yeah, exactly. You know. And you know, this is majority a creative uh, fantasy booking podcast, so I'm going to call my shot and tell WWE right now. Paul, if you're listening, my God, you have a babyface Brock Lesnar on your hands, and he's never won the <laughs> Intercontinental Championship. If you want... A transition from Gunther to go from the king of the mid cards to the next chapter, the heavyweight championship. You have Brock Lesnar and Gunther at WrestleMania 40, and Brock Lesnar wins his first ever Intercontinental Championship from Gunther, a formidable opponent for Gunther to go down to for his first time, and now he can go after whomever's the heavyweight champion. And wouldn't it be great if Brock did a lot of selling in that match and, and oh. Gunther was the one chopping him down and it, it, yeah. he was bullying Brock? Yeah, we like, need to that have... That would be amazing. We need to have Brock win by the skin of his goddamn teeth. Yeah, that would be awesome. Because that's one way to lose a match, lose a title, and still get over. Like, you didn't get under by losing your title to Brock Lesnar. You dominated Brock, but he was his experience and just freakish strength was able to get him the win like that's that's awesome i i wish i hope but i mean a lot of that comes down to what brock wants to do as well so <laughs> mm. well i could i can see his nipples getting a little hard when he had that face off with gunther in the royal rumble so you know that I, that's got that's definitely on somebody's uh match card plans down the road and i can't wait to see it get pulled off but cole speaking of something yes. getting pulled off a big miss uh, back in the Attitude Era, what if Bam Bam Bigel, Bigelow was placed right in the middle of the Attitude Era, say about right when Stone Cold Steve Austin started getting hot? What would you do? What would I do? Today, we take it up with creative, and we're going to find out. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we, we don't usually do reviews, but SummerSlam was so good, we had to talk about it. But uh, we're going to roll into Bam Bam Bigelow. I, I think it's a great what if. Because like a lot of times when we do take it up with creative, we kind of try to fix the shit that that was done that wasn't great. But Bam Bam had a couple of decent runs with WWE. He went on last at a WrestleMania. Like you know, he, it's not like they completely disrespected him. Both of us think they underutilized him. But I, I think we finally found the spot where Bam Bam works the best. Um, and I'll go back and I'll, I'll go through just bullet points bam bam's two runs with wwf where it, it just you know it feels like it was wrong place wrong time for bam bam so 1987 this dude is only two years in the business at point uh bam bam debuts in what was called the battle for bam bam all the managers bobby heenan jimmy hart all those guys were vying for the services of bam bam bigelow it was a big bidding war and week after week on TV, they're building it up. Oh, who's going to get him? Who's going to get him? And finally, Bam Bam announced he uh, denounced all the heel ref, the heel refs, the heel managers, and debuted Oliver Humperdinck, a babyface manager. And Bam Bam came in as a babyface, which is interesting, especially since that's the Monster Factory era. So I assume. The idea when they brought Bam Bam is was to team him with Hogan because right at the start, Bam Bam and Hogan are tag team, or yeah, they're partners at Survivor Series. And Bam Bam even outlasted the Hulkster. Hulkster got eliminated earlier on in the match, and Bam Bam was the final survivor for his team. But he's up against Andre and a bunch of other big guys, and so he, he did not get the win that night, but he outlasted Hulkster. Um, but the, And then he went on to feud with One Man Gang and Andre and Ted DiBiase. But his run was cut short. He tore his ACL, and uh, they kind of gave him the boot in 88. So I mean, he was only there for a short, you know, six, eight-month stint. And then uh, he, was, he was gone from the WWF and didn't return until 1992 uh, after a couple years in WCW and the UWF and bouncing around doing that stuff. New Japan, lots of stuff over in Japan. But uh, October of 92, 
um, Bam Bam comes back, and they start him from the bottom. He wins a series of squash matches on TV. They get him over, leading up to uh, the Boss Man in 1993, beat Boss Man at Royal Rumble. Um, and then he lost a bunch of title matches to Brett on all the house shows. Like, they went on two big tours. He lost them. He was supposed to have a match at WrestleMania 9 with Kamala, but it got scrapped because, you know, time constraints and whatnot. <laughs> so then uh, he was kind of floundering. They really didn't have any direction for him. June of 1993 joins up with Luna, his main squeeze, Luna Vachon. And this is like maybe the kind of the biggest push he got for a little while in the finals of the King of the Ring that year with Bret the Hitman Hart. And he lost, but, you know, getting to the finals, having that great match with Brett. I mean, it's a phenomenal match. Go out of your way to watch that, ladies and gentlemen. Might be my favorite Bam Bam match of in America, anyway. There's some great stuff with Muda in Japan and tagging with Vader. That's fucking phenomenal. But um, after the King of the Ring, he's kind of feuding with Tatanka a little bit. Nothing serious, but then he ends up with Doink. And these two motherfuckers get married for about eight months and it's a little it's this leads up to the survivor series yes survivor series match with team bam bam i think he's got the head shrinkers on his team and they're taking bastion booger yeah bastion booger and the head shrinkers and they're taking on four doinks mabel doink mo doink luke doink and butch doink (laughs) watch this today it is still great the comedy spots are just as hilarious as what the elite will try to pull off. There's water balloons. There's banana peels. There's empty buckets. There's uh, scooters. It's fantastic. And uh, I, you know, I don't want to hear Jim Cornette say anything because he was right there on that show that night. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah, so this feud with Doink lasted all the way till WrestleMania 10. Yeah, like they went from. They went six months. <laughs> and I mean, it's great. It's a mid-card feud. Why not? You know, I, I, cause Doink was probably, you know, he obviously wasn't the top guy, but he was that top of the mid-card baby face. He was there. And so it's not, I mean, the fans loved Doink. He would have been the next guy in line, I think, for the fans in that era on the baby face side. And the blow-off um, match was a, was a tag match? Yeah. The, the mixed tag. It was a mixed tag, so it was, it was Doink and yeah, Dink was Luna, versus... Yeah, it was Doink and Dink versus Luna and Bam Bam. Boy, the 90s, you know, half, yes, of, half of a the man... The 90s. Half of a man equals a full woman. Yes. And uh, he took a little time off to take care of his wife. Uh, he wrestled in Japan quite a lot in 1994, actually. Um, so, I mean, after WrestleMania, he's, they really didn't have much for him uh, up until... Uh, in 94, early 94, or in June of 94, joined Money, Inc., and then he's going back and forth between Japan and here. He's he's not, nothing real serious, nothing with a lot of meat on the bone, uh, until Survivor, or, or, or yeah, and uh, Survivor Series, they had the Money in the Inc., Money, Inc. match versus <laughs> Lex Luger. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go through it fast. Yeah, so, Money in the Inc. Yeah, Money in the Inc. And so, yeah, Money, Inc., Lex Luger, and, and there, there's just not a lot there. And so it, it's it, Money Incorporated might be, like, the most ineffectual faction of all time. Like, we love them, but, like, they really didn't do anything of value for that entire time they were there. And it's but, funny uh, because their whole gimmick was value. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and the kind of blowing off point, Royal Rumble 1995, it's Bam Bam and Tatanka. They lose to the one, two, three kid and Bob Sparky Plug Holly of all fucking teams for Bam Bam and Tatanka to lose to. Uh, but this led to the famous shoving spot with Lawrence Taylor um, because Lawrence Taylor was laughing at him for getting pinned by the freaking one, two, three kid. <laughs> Which is kind of funny that that was the baby face thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Just laughing at the big bully. Yeah. And of course that set up the, you know, Bam Bam's one WrestleMania main event. We'll call it a main event because they did too. And they went on last. It's a phenomenal match for what it is to, to be in there with someone who's never wrestled before in their life, who was clearly blown up, like hardcore blown up and still took the power bomb sort of and all that stuff. 
Uh, it's a wonderful match, but after that, it's just kind of a half-ass feud with Money Inc. And in a couple months, he's fired. Like he turned babyface after that. It was all cool, but nothing ever really materialized after that. That was kind of his swan swan song, and uh, that's where we're at. Bam Bam never to return again. And he did some stuff at ECW and WCW, and it was great. But that was it for Bam Bam. Never really got over the hump. Um, after being slated as Hogan's tag partner in the very beginning. so Yeah, I felt like Bam Bam was a missed opportunity only because I think he was like the only guy to really walk that line between new generation and attitude era. Like he like the the appearance was just cartoony enough to be early nineties, but also just as athletic and badassery to evolve to attitude era. So like, so like, I think he would have been perfect, you know, just, you know, we don't know a lot of behind the scenes stuff and, you know, we do now with, with dark side of the ring, but you know, the, the possibilities of Bam Bam, his athleticism within the attitude era has always intrigued me. And I can't wait to talk about what we would do for the man if he was able to do so. Yeah. Bam Bam would be great today. I mean, like, you know, (laughs) he'd fit right in. In this era where guys are doing, I mean, Bam Bam would have been doing dives. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he'd he, he cartwheel he out of the way of a chop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even moonsaulting to the floor. Like, Bam Bam would have been doing insane shit if he was in his prime today. But I mean, like, the Attitude Era, you know, 1998, you know, Austin wins the belt. He's over. This is his right in the SmackDown's era. It's only a couple years away from. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle and and all these other great talents that someone who's on top in '98 could work with. I, I mean, that's that's what's sad, you know, about the the saddest thing about Owen Hart is that he was, you know, a couple months away from having those guys to work with. Mm-hmm. And so I think that anytime we bring this this era up, it's exciting to think about all the matchups going forward for Bam Bam. So Absolutely. And there is one glaring omission, and both men have never stepped in the ring together. And I'm just going to use this as a good transition to, to go first, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, I never go first in these, so I'm just going to go first. So Austin wins the title at WrestleMania 14. I don't think anyone has a problem with that ever changing. Uh, no, I and we started at the exact same starting point. Fantastic. So. <laughs> Austin also does the suit angle with Vince. He puts on the suit, takes it off. I'm not going to be your corporate champion. We get to the angle where Vince is going to fight Austin and where they actually beat the 83-week streak. We get the dude love angle where he comes out and like beats up Austin. And uh, Now, next week, Austin wants to fight them both. Vince accepts a match, but he says it's got to be a tag match. And he has to find a partner in order, in order for the match to happen. Cause you know, I don't know if you saw the build up to Royal rumble, but motherfucker has no friends. He stunned everybody and their mother on the way to that match, won the title. And now he has no friends. So Vince thinks he has a, this is a shoe in this match won't happen because he can't find a partner. So Austin gets on the microphone and says, you're right, Vince. I have no friends who wants to be friends with the bald, hot headed, hell raising toughest SOB from Victoria, Texas. Well, I got me on the phone and I got me another bald, Hot-headed, hell-raising, beast from the East. Oh, my gosh. That means four or five years later, we see Bam Bam Bigelow walk down the ramp of Monday Night Raw to a, one of those Vince McMahon faces, just deer in the headlights. And now we have a match. We have Austin and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Dude Love and Vince McMahon to close Raw. And we go off the air with them winning big old fucking Gaga beer bath, whatever. So... <laughs> Business as usual, we have Dude Love versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and Unforgiven. That actually happened. I'm going to keep that main event. So, Vince and the Stooges in Dude's Corner. Stone Cold gets the win, but the numbers game overcomes. Bam Bam comes out, shit cans Dude Love, backs off Vince and the Stooges. By the time Austin makes it to his, makes it to his feet, Bam Bam delivers a knockout clothesline to Austin to a shocking eruption. Bam Bam faints leaving and then heads upstairs for the flying headbutt to, glow, to go off the air. The next night, we got Vince McMahon in the ring gloating, and he introduces a man who is going to keep the business booming, and the way you make a business boom is by getting the man himself, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bam Bam comes out in a suit. Now, as history would show, this is when Dude Love came out in a suit, and his teeth were all fixed, and he was the corporate guy going after Austin, 
But I'm rewriting history just a little bit and having Bam Bam take that spot from Dude. And it's been announced that Bam Bam is going to face Stone Cold Steve Austin at Over the Edge. And Dude Love comes out kind of protesting this, saying, hey, I thought this was my spot. What, what gives? So, Bam Bam attacks Dude. And him and Bam Bam have a match that night. And Bam Bam wins decisively and beats the shit out of Dude Love. And Vince fires Dude Love on sight. Big ol' swerve, big ol' emotional. And, you know, we know how this resolved itself in the past. He came back as Mankind. He didn't fire Mankind. (laughs) So now we have Mankind doing his shit with Taker because I don't want King of the Ring to go away. So so now we're over the edge, Cole. Over the edge. Austin wins by the skin of his teeth. Barely beats beats Bam Bam Bigelow. We'll say Austin won with a roll-up. That's how rare this is. Austin used to just go home with a stunner. That was it. But Austin got a roll-up. Maybe even had to cheat the win just to save himself because the odds were stacked up against him. Who cares? He got the win. He moves on. At King of the Ring, this is where we would have Kane face Stone Cold Steve Austin. But uh uh-uh. I'm keeping the feud between Austin and Bam Bam alive, and they are also going to have a first blood match. And it's going to end the same exact way. A big, shocking title change for Bam Bam. Randomly returning out of the blue after a four-year absence to the shocking title change that would have been Kane's, but we're just going to have it go to Bam Bam because I think it's, it's more of a moment for Bam Bam. And then the rest is just the same as before. The next night, Austin regains to a big fucking rating with the help this time. Instead of just a clean win, I'm going to keep this angle going because he destroyed this human being months prior. So... The way Austin gets his title back, Mankind interferes and costs Bam Bam the title. So we got a thread of a story going there. And now this is where Austin can kind of drift apart and go on his merry way to SummerSlam to Undertaker. Because now we have some unfinished business between Mick Foley and Bam Bam. So this is where I'm going to stop for now to get your input because I have a very detailed beginning on how we got Bam Bam into the company. And now this is the part where I kind of put him in his place and give him the angles I think that should actually progress the character going forward in this time period. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's fantastic. Um, I, I, I kind of had all the same thoughts that you did. There's a lot of stuff here that I don't want to lose. I don't, don't want to give away the King of the ring. So actually while I, we have to like, when I get into mine, I have to start there. I really don't pick up until after King of the ring. So, um, but yeah, I know I'm good with all of this. I like the idea of Austin not having any friends in the company. So he has to go outside the company to find a friend and he finds Bam Bam and Bam Bam doesn't care because he's just kind of a mercenary. And so he shows up because he wants to fight. And, and, you know, yeah, he was on Austin's side for that night, but that doesn't mean he's going to be on his side going forward because Bam Bam's his own guy. Like we've seen, they've established that in WWF history that other than Luna, like Bam Bam never got along with anybody too well. So (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So far so good. I would be totally in for this storyline. Bam Bam, even getting a one day title reign is good with me. So yeah. Well, just strap in for this one because this one can be questionable, but I think it's, I think it's good enough for you to go. Oh yes. So mankind and Bam Bam Bigelow are now on a collision course to fully loaded and they have a match and it ends in a no contest when mankind has the mandible claw on bam bam bigelow bam bam fights up has him on his shoulders falls back they go through the ring and we don't see them for quite a while at SummerSlam, we have a big eight-man tag you may remember it if you don't you're just fine but we have the oddities versus kai and tai Yes, okay, and I'm we, with you. And we have Insane Clown Posse in tow. <coughs> uh-huh. So, at, towards the very end, we get Golgo with a big fiery comeback. He comes in, clears house, shit-cans everybody. Then all of a sudden, he starts beating up his own oddities. Starts shit-canning them. And then all of a sudden, we see a cartwheel. And then we see him go up top, and then we do a flying headbutt. Everyone is fucking on, their floor, on the floor selling, except for Luna. Who looks at Golga confused, but also, holy shit, I know that person. The Golga mask comes off, and it is Bam Bam Bigelow, who 
must have beat the shit out of John Tenta in the back somewhere, shoved his shut the shoved the Cartman doll up his ass, and went and did this whole spiel just to get his main squeeze back. And that's how we saved that abortion of a segment by having the reunion <laughs> of Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon. And from there, we can have Luna and Bam Bam be a fixture of the Attitude Era. Luna gets her edge back. You know, we can even have a, a uh, just a mini feud where he beats and sh- beats the shit out of Goldust. You know, he tries to get Luna back, but nope, that's the main squeeze. He can run through the entire oddities, Kurgan, Golga, fucking the same clown posse, all the way up until the Royal Rumble. Bam Bam is in the diesel spot, eliminating everybody one, one at a time as people come out. Finally, the countdown comes down, and it is Cactus Jack, bitch. Cactus Jack, the one face of Foley that Bam Bam hasn't faced in the WWF. And they they fight, and Mick Foley eliminates them both with his signature over-the-top clothesline. And then they fight in the crowd. They fight all over the building. And then we have this feud ride all the way to WrestleMania 15, where Cactus Jack and Bam Bam Bigelow have the hardcore match of the ages, at a, at a WrestleMania where pff, mankind really Mick Foley didn't really do a damn thing, you know he had a right. ma- he had a match to try to referee the main event. Fuck that. Let's give him let's give him his own spotlight match, his own attraction match with the Beast from the East, Cactus Jack versus Bam Bam Bigelow, WrestleMania 15. That's where I'm going. And even on the way there at No Way Out, I want Bam Bam to kill Terry Funk. Who 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 knows? <laughs> Why not? Let's just let's just increase the heat a little more. So. That's where I ended things. WrestleMania 15. Uh, he almost won the brawl for all and beat up Butterbean himself, but I thought this was better. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I no, that I I like I like the beginning. I like the destination. Not sure about the middle part where he's just a mid card fucking comedy act for a little bit, but whatever. Oh, for one I match. Like, for yeah. one match. <laughs> you you had to infiltrate I, yeah. the oddities somehow. Yeah. Well, it, I think it's fun. To, it's a fun way to reunite Luna. And Bam Bam is main, you know, Bam Bam now has his main squeeze. I like that they got them back together. They could have had an awesome feud with Mark Marrow and Sable. Ooh. Like they could have done some fun stuff. Hunter and China, yeah, Hunter and China would have been great because then the bees, yeah, like yeah, oh god, Luna and China would have been awesome. And the like, and <laughs> the the backstage shit with the click and him would would come to uh would come to fruition too. They can yeah, use that, that in the promos. Be, yeah, yeah, it's true. You could absolutely use a little bit of work shoot. So there's a lot of possibilities there in '99, you know, late '98, early '99 with Bam Bam and Luna. So that's that's pretty awesome. I'm I I'm not mad at it, and uh, I I think because um, I didn't, I got to a, the destination earlier basically, uh-huh. and I don't care what happens after that. <laughs> but I think whatever the fallout is, I'm going with. Cactus Jack versus Bam Bam at WrestleMania 15. That sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, absolutely hardcore match, no rules. So that that's that's going to ultimately be my destination now too. I totally agree with that. But I've got a little bit of a different start because um, I'm with you. I think I don't want to lose the Dude Love run. I don't want to lose King of the Ring at all. But I am going to change the finish at King of the Rings. So instead of Austin losing the belt for one night when he's only three months into his first fucking title reign, um, I'm going to have like, no matter what it, it, it might, it, it'll end up being an accident. I think, you know, the, the stooges get involved and someone ends up bashing Kane in the face with a fucking chair. And then Austin gets a stunner. One, two, three, not a clean win over Kane uh, because he's also just ascending on his push. But Kane couldn't get the job done is the most important thing. So the next night on Monday Night Raw, Vince is livid. He's, you know, that we're a whole Raw. We're talking about how Vince is going to address the audience and we're, we're building up to we see him backstage just fuming and he's doing a, like overselling the angry face and huffing and puffing <laughs> and rah, God damn it, rah, 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 rah. you know, and so finally I'm going to the ring and the stooge, just him and the stooges. No Kane, no dude love because, you know, Mick Foley just got just died last night at King of the Rings. So he doesn't need to be there the next day at all. I'm going to keep him off TV for a little while because I've got a replacement player, maybe. 
So Vince goes out there and he just starts berating everyone and talking about like, God damn it, Austin. <laughs> I, if it's the last thing I do, you will not be my world heavyweight champion. Blah, blah, blah. And then the glass shatters. Austin does his march down to the ring. And right as he slides in, the Stooges and Vince go ahead and roll out of the ring and go, no, thank you. And just, and, and Vince is like, God damn it, Austin, you again. And at this moment, he's like, I got a surprise for you. Kane's music hits. So Austin is distracted. The lights turn out. He's facing the other way. We get the big red explosion and then nothing. No Kane as the lights come back on, though. From the audience, from the backside, a very large masked man beats the ever-loving shit out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kane then comes down to the ring, and the two of them lay him out. They leave him bloody in the ring. And this time, like, they beat him so bad that the Austin, who wouldn't refused help from the ring when he broke his freaking neck, has to be carted out on a stretcher this night in a bloody heap. And as the man removes his mask, we see that it's Bam Bam Bigelow and Vince gives him the biggest hug ever in the middle of the ring. And that's how we go off the air. Austin's getting stretchered out. The This man who walked out under his own power with a broken neck can't survive the attack from Bam Bam Bigelow. So Austin's out for a couple weeks. The, the next two weeks, we've got Bam Bam and Kane just decimating tag teams in like record fashion just destroying guys so the week before fully loaded it's tag for the tag titles kane and bam bam are in there this match doesn't get i mean they're they're dominating and before the match could finish austin interferes gets the world tag team champions disqualified and he goes one on two against kane and bam bam to get his fucking payback and he's kicking ass for a little while, but eventually the numbers game gets to him. We've got the Stooges. We've got Vince. Like, the numbers game just gets to him. And so Austin is getting beat down again. Austin is going to end up in the hospital again until gong, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. The lights go out. The Undertaker joins the fray to make the save for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's in the ring. He clears house. Austin comes to his feet and he stares at the undertaker they face off and then he rolls out of the ring and gets out of there that sets up the you know with only a week to spare the tag match up fully loaded bam bam bigelow kane versus stone cold steve austin and the undertaker so now we've gotten an extra month out of stone cold's first title run it's not over yet at this point we're four months in we get to that tag match at Fully Loaded, we get the surprising finish of Bam Bam Bigelow pinning Stone Cold Steve Austin in the middle of the ring with all the fuckery in the world. Uh, this is the night that we finally see Mick Foley for the first time since uh, the Hell in the Cell. And uh, he is back in his dude love suit and he helps out and uh, makes sure that The Undertaker and uh, Austin do not walk away victorious on this night. and But Bam Bam Bigelow, a month before SummerSlam, has now pinned Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that the next four, three, four weeks, that's it. Bam Bam is crowing as loud as anyone's ever crowed in the WWF about how he beat the champion. He's finally going to get his shot. He deserves his match. Austin, of course, won't back down from anyone. He accepts the fight. Uh, we have a couple wild brawls with Austin and Taker and Mick Foley and Kane, all this great stuff. But at SummerSlam, it is going to be Austin versus Bam Bam Bigelow, one-on-one -on -one for the WWF Championship. And I've got Bam Bam going over. I've got Bam Bam Bigelow. Both of us, we are in agreement. This man deserves to be the world heavyweight champion. And so I've got Bam Bam beating Austin. I do not turn around the next night and then have Bam Bam lose. I could stretch that out. We could stretch that out to Royal Rumble where Austin regains the belt. The Rock wins. Cool. That's great. But we also hit that spot um, somewhere along the way. I think that's a good night for Bam Bam and uh, Cactus Jack to be, to be at odds. 
Um, I, I think it's great for me now. Like for WrestleMania 15 is Bam Bam versus Cactus hardcore match and Austin and Rock. Uh, you talked me into that. There was nothing else I was gonna do after that. But ultimately, my blow, my payoff, the point I'm working up to is Bam Bam Bigelow at SummerSlam beating Austin, becoming the champion, and I think I take it with him all the way to the Royal Rumble. That is magnificent. And, you know, since you did such a bold move of just having Bam Bam beat Austin, dare I say, I had him and Luna reunite at SummerSlam. Let's combine. Luna, lo- <laughs> Luna. That would be the perfect, yeah, perfect way. Yeah, Luna surprise low blows Austin out of nowhere. <laughs> big, big old celebration of Bam Bam and Luna hold, uh, with heat going off the air. And, you know, it's fitting that I didn't even think of uh, Bam Bam main eventing that SummerSlam with Austin because the theme of that that uh, pay-per-view was Highway to Hell. And what more right. of a, you know, I mean, Undertaker fits the bill, too. But, good God, right. the man has flames on him. So, right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so he I looks just, like you're me, fighting hell. Uh, for me, we could go to just about any Austin and... Uh, taker match and i'd be okay with losing it so (laughs) of all the of all the guys in the world that are just tremendously talented for those two guys to not just not be able to have a great match together i mean they never had anything that was bad i don't think anyone would watch an austin taker match and go fuck this sucks this was their best one same time yeah at the same time they never really achieved the level where like you go holy shit you gotta go see that but are there a lot of Austin matches besides Bret Hart that people go, holy shit, you got to see this match? Well, the Rock matches, but that's for something completely different. Right, yeah. exactly. The Rock the Rock matches are up there as far as like, you know, I, I compared it to, you know, the X Division is the Marvel movies and Batman versus Superman is Austin versus Rock. Yeah. You're going to get a long magnum opus out of one, and you're going to get just a bunch of shit crammed into a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting the story of the Marvel movies. I'm just saying there is a no, lot more action and a lot less, you know, structure in those movies compared to the DC movies. And that's, that could be too much to the chagrin of how the movie ends up coming out. But you know, that's funny because I think I think just about everyone would have it would say it's the other way around. Like there's a lot more structure in Marvel movies, and DC is the uh, you know the spot fest. Not you know they don't flesh out their heels, all that good stuff. But like recently, you might be right. Like since Endgame, like Marvel's just been throwing a bunch of shit at the yeah. wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's it's been a shitstorm. But that's a fun segue. Something we can talk about well, no it's at just some point let's rebook marvel face oh yeah yeah <laughs> take it up with creative who who actually killed iron man's parents uh <laughs> yeah no i mean but it, it just goes to show you like you know we always put wrestling in this bubble on how like you know no one talks about rebooking movies uh you know right. but you know it, it's just a fun little uh it's a fun little comparison but you know it's funny you know bam bam means so much to us and uh dare i say we had we have pretty much the same stopping points i know i kind of convinced you on him versus cactus jack which is oh, for sure something i'm pretty proud of but uh yeah the possibility of him headlining uh headlining uh summerslam 98 it was a bold move and i'm glad that you made it because i want it in still and uh yes. it just it just <laughs> sounds unanimous we both want him to go right out the gate against austin and right. you know uh i had the I, I just had the finishing touch of just getting him to foley somehow uh, so, you know, not a lot of tweaking needs to happen with these stories. No, I, I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement, you know, both of us had him winning the belt and I, and I think we both agree the the ultimate best matchup for him at WrestleMania is, is Cactus Jack. Like that's just, that's goes without saying that's it. That's the destination there. And I think if after that, Bam Bam's a made guy in the WWF in 1999. And so he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's and- going to be around for WrestleMania 2000. He's going to be around, you know, for for when Hogan comes back. Like he's going to be around for all that shit if if we make him with Cactus cuz the fans are going to be a thousand percent behind him at that point. Yeah, and like he puts uh he Cactus puts uh Bam Bam on a table and then puts Luna through that and cool, then so he can say that he put her through a flaming table. <laughs> oh. Oh, we survived this whole time without you being silly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I mean, we did have the Golga, you know, the oddities and 
Cartman being that was my one Russo thing in my story. <laughs> Russo would have ate that up. I was like, bro, he wears the Golga mask. <laughs> That's uh, so good. But you're right. I can't get through an episode without being silly. But, uh, you know, Cole, but before before I announce what we're going to be doing the next two weeks, do you have anything that you'd like to put a bow on Mr. Bam Bam? Uh, you know, I, for me, he's just he's one of those guys that <clears throat> didn't achieve the level that fit his ability. Like, I think he just he stopped short. And there's a lot of those guys – Ravishing Rick Rude, I think, was like right there. Mr. Perfect, of course, right there. Ted DiBiase, right there. And they just never really got over the hump to be the tippy-top guy. And a lot of it just had to do with timing. You know, like, you feel like the new generation era would be the perfect time for Bam Bam to get a top guy push. Um, but it, 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 I don't know. I just don't understand what stopped it from happening where him and, and Brett had a, a serious run. I mean, you know, we had the Jerry Lawler in there. I, I get that we needed to do the stuff with Owen, but, like, the whole year after that, it was, like, Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum, but not Bam Bam? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's probably shenanigans backstage. That At least that's what we're led to believe when certain interviews come to fruition. And, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> right. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. You know, you know, Vader came in, didn't really get a fair shake. A, a lot of that was his fault. And same, and the same could be said for Bam Bam as well. You know, Bam Bam is not someone who is um, unknown to demons. Uh, right. That is the term that wrestlers use. Uh, you know, but you know, when the advantage of fantasy booking is we strip all that bullshit away and we talk about what could have been based right. on based on the characters we love, and that's why a show like this is so fun. But Cole, the next two weeks are going to be really fun. Because this is something that we've been brainstorming and we've hinted at over the over the weeks. But I put a little twist on it that I think you're going to love. Because do you recall, speaking of Luna Vachon and her managerial skills, do you recall us coming up with a list of a bunch of managers to use for, let's say, a bracket? Yeah. Well, you're in for a treat because I've decided against the whole bracket idea because we're going to do... The creative team's manager draft. Oh, Cole. This is going to be kind of like a sabotage draft because we're going to be picking utter shit for ourselves. <laughs> and we're going to somehow oh. make an eight-match card out of managers, ladies and gentlemen. Like, wow. this is going to be this is gonna be way more fun than discussing a bracket. We can save that for next year. This year, a special <laughs> two-part episode. Me and Cole are going to draft... The best roster of managers we can and put together the best card we can against managers we get to basically and you know what we have a lot of manager friends who can be a guest uh, judge on this but uh, I thought this would be an extraordinary pivot to the bracket idea and we just take these managers and see what kind of shit show we could put together with them as competitors against one another Cole do you have your main event in mind already uh, I I do have a handful of top choices. I I think this is one where everybody wants the first pick. N whoever wins the coin toss is not giving up the first pick for two picks. So okay, and then let's just be clear since <laughs> since we have to since we have you know people that love to uh, stretch the rules a bit. Just because Owen Hart accompanied somebody to the ring one time. <laughs> In one match, for one angle, doesn't mean he's a manager. You have to pick a manager. And luckily, yes. luckily, when we had this discussion, we shared a list with each other, and that is the criteria of what a manager is. Bret Hart's accompany people to the ring, not a manager. No. No. No, absolutely. This is going to be managers, managers. We're not talking about, uh, you know, guys that... So... There will be some debate, though. Like, does Ted DiBiase qualify as a manager? He Like, there's guys like that that are a little bit weird in there where he was running Money, Inc. He wasn't actively wrestling anymore. He had a stable of guys. He was accompanying to the ring. So was he their manager? Yeah. No, that's a good point. As long as we're in the confines of his managerial limits of physicality. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. so if you pick Hillbilly Jim... Uh, we're going to be going by him as Hillbilly Jim with the Godwins. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, a lot of options. We we definitely need to revisit that list because um, I think we were just going for the top 32, and now we're going to need to expand it to at least 40, so <laughs> we're going to have to dig up some more names. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for this because this combines uh, shit show wrestling also with the draft, which has been a lot of fun for us. Um, but I, I just... I think it goes without saying that this is the coin toss for Bobby the Brain Heated. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who anyone else would pick first overall to wrestle a match as a manager, having seen their work. It's Bobby Heated, ladies and gentlemen. So somebody's going to be pissed right from the start next week. So tune in to find out who gets Bobby Heated and what the fuck we can do after that, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, any closing thoughts? On this week's episode, before I close the show, Ronald. Well, I am excited for the next two weeks, and you know, you go ahead and get your weasel. I might be coming after the weasel as well, but I'm going to chase the weasel all the way back to my pool because it is a hot one, ladies and gentlemen. Cole, let's go home. All right. So, for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.